You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. So let's pray. Uh, Dearest Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that um, you love us so much. Uh, We thank you that um, because of your great love, uh, we are here in this uh, time together. Uh, We thank you that because of your great love, uh, we're able to read um, uh, your words, uh, the account of your son, Jesus Christ, as he came into this world, uh, and that your words can be used uh, by you. Uh, um, They can be illuminated by your Holy Spirit to change us and to impact us um, and to lead us and conform us into the image of your son. Um, So I pray that uh, you would help us now, help me, and uh, would you just uh, show your blessing even over the small things like internet connections um, so that we can um, be encouraged today. Uh, Yeah, thank you for this time in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today uh, we are starting off in Luke. Okay, so we've got nine weeks uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, So as we start out this time and going through this uh, series, sermon series called Encounter, uh, let me commend to you uh, a reading through the Gospel according to Luke over these next few weeks. It will really help you uh, to be able to just really live in the time that Luke is giving uh, giving an historical account for uh, as we sort of have a look at some key moments when Jesus meets uh, some particular characters. 
this week, uh, we're looking at the character Simeon, who appears really early on um, in the life of Jesus. It's actually before even before Jesus can say a word. Now, before we get to, so before we dive in uh, too much uh, into uh, what we want to say about Simeon today, um, I just want to take a moment to help us understand, like, what what is the gospel? Like, what is the gospel when we hear, um, you know, we hear, oh, this is the gospel of Luke or the gospel according to Luke. Um, What what are we thinking about when we come to a book of the Bible like this? And what are we what are we thinking about when we hear the word the gospel or when we hear the question, what is the gospel? Now, that is a really important question for us to be able to have an answer for, uh, for us to be able to live our life by, uh, because as you've probably noticed as a church family, that question, what is the gospel, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that forms so much of who we are and what we do, doesn't it? Uh, it's why that almost every week in your gospel communities, your gospel community leader will ask the question, what is the gospel and you'll consider that together. Uh, that's why um, as we preach on a Sunday and as we open up a service um, with, with particular songs and as we mention these things in, in uh, almost what we hope for is in every sermon, uh, we, want to, we want to have a clarity as to what is the gospel. So I wonder what you think of, or what do you think immediately when you hear the question, what is the gospel? Now, Often, um, one of the sort of the go-to answer that I've noticed is people go, oh, well, the gospel is, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, isn't it? The gospel is these books of the Bible. That's, that's, that's the gospel. Um, and I guess you'd say, well, on one hand, yes, that is the gospel, but um, you primarily shouldn't be thinking Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in answer to the question of the gospel. The name you should be thinking of when someone says, what is the gospel? You should be saying, Jesus Jesus is the gospel. The person and work of Jesus is the gospel. So when we come to a book like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or the book of Luke today, we want to be thinking that this is the gospel according to Luke. It's the gospel according to John. It's the life, person, and work of Jesus through the historical account, through the lens of Matthew or Luke. So when, you, uh, when someone asks you the question, maybe in gospel community this week, they say, okay, so what is the gospel? Well, you want to say, Jesus is the gospel. We want to be saying the person and work of Jesus is the gospel. And we say that because we say Jesus is the gospel because Jesus is the embodiment of the good news of God's plan, which is gospel to us, which is good news. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plans and God's promises. Uh, Jesus is the demonstration of God's power and God's presence with us. And God's power and God's presence with us through Jesus is gospel. It is good news. It is good news. Because without Jesus, without 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 what he has done and what he is doing and and what he will do we're stuck in a place where there is no good news aren't we we're stuck in a world where there is nothing to look forward to we're stuck in a world where we we're reliant on our pitiful selves where we're going to be pushed and poked and 
prodded and pulled all sorts of different ways in this world at the mercies of the people with the power and the people with the mummy or the whatever it is that is going to stop us or st even our own even our own faults even our own failings are what is going to drive and steer our hope but when Jesus enters into the scene when we hear the good news report of Jesus when we hear the gospel of Jesus we go that that's that's good news that's good news One Peter one eight talks about the good news of the gospel, and it phrases the response to the good news like this: It says, "Though you have not seen him, though you have not seen Jesus physically, they have not seen God physically, they have not see, seen him. You love him, though you don't, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy." Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The gospel is the message and it is the reality and it is the truth that brings us as a church together and brings the capital C, the church of the world together. And it's the message and it's the reality and it's the truth that we put our hope in and that we shape our lives around and that moves us forward as the people of God. And so why, Louis, why are you, why are you talking so much about the gospel today as you start off this sermon series in the gospel of Luke? Well, important so we have clarity as to what we're doing, but also because what we see in this passage today is Simeon's joy. I don't know if you noticed, Simeon was pretty happy. Simeon's joy, his joy is a gospel joy. Simeon's joy is a gospel joy. And there's two key things that I really want us to take out of our pet text today. And that is that this, this, this joy, this, this gospel joy that Simeon has, that can also be our joy, if it isn't already. And what I want us to also see is that we cultivate our own gospel joy, as Simeon did, it's a joy that we can also see in others. And that, and, it's a, and that joy is a joy that really does transcend our circumstances, no matter what is happening. It's a profound joy. It's an inexpressible joy. And it's filled with glory, as we heard Peter write about. So how do we know that Simeon's joy is a gospel joy? What do we want to be thinking about? Where do we want to go as we think about Simeon's joy? Well, the key verse in helping us understand Simeon's joy as being a gospel joy is in verse 29 of our passage today. Verse 29. Simeon, when he sees Jesus, his exclamation in that moment is, Lord, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. There's the key line. There's the, there's the big hint that Simeon's joy is a gospel joy because at the heart of Simeon's joy is his realization that he now can die 
and die with hope for himself and also die knowing that there's a future hope for all that are going to follow after him. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For you see, as we've, as, as we've been thinking about this gospel joy, the person and work of Jesus, it's, it's good news. But to understand the good news, you've got to understand the bad news, don't you? Because otherwise it's just someone talking about how good Jesus is and all the stuff that he's done and, and the way that it's God in flesh, God with us. And you can go, oh, that's, that's pretty good, but it's kind of like, why, why, is, why is that so good? Like, why are you so pleased and so happy about that, Louis? Like, why, why is Simeon so happy about that? Well, the key, the key to answering that question is to understand the good news, you really have to understand the bad news. Now, what we have in the Bible, what we have in the Jesus book, what we have in the, in the recorded story of human history as, as God has given to us in the word of God in, in the Bible is, is this account of God creating a beautiful creation. We see that right at the start of the Bible in Genesis, don't we? We see God and he, in, in seven days, he, he speaks creation into being. And at every point, it's good and it's good and it's good and it's good. And then he makes man in his image, male and female, he created them. And then he steps back and he goes, oh, very good. And he puts them into paradise and he's, he's, he's with them and it's awesome. And it's all going so well. And then what happens? They stuff it up. They suffered up. God made this beautiful creation. He put his people in it. He gave them purpose and meaning. He said, go and cultivate this. He said, look after it, build it up. It's a garden now. We're on a trajectory. We're going to see you as two people, male and female. We're on a trajectory with me. Cultivate the earth, have a family, grow this thing, cultivate this garden, look after it. But they stuffed it up. They stuffed it up. The one thing that they weren't supposed to do, they did. And the story of the Bible, you go, you go, you go further into that, and it actually gives a, actually tells us what happens when you stuff up, when you disobey God, when you rebel against what God says is good as the Creator. When the Creator, when the created turns its face on the Creator and says, "No, I'm better than you," it says the wages of sin, the wages that the the cost of that punishment is death. That's the result of the stuff up. That's the result of the stuff up. The wages of sin is death. And we see since the fall of humankind, beginning with Adam and Eve, it's just a constant spiraling out of control, isn't it? A constant spiraling out of control. God, God keeps showing mercy and showing patience and showing love. 
He keeps meeting them and providing for them and looking after them. And he keeps showing them like, no, no, look like we're like, there's a, there's a promise here. We're, we're still on this trajectory. Um, but hey, look, like let's, let's just, let's just keep, keep going. They keep stuffing up. They keep stuffing up. They keep stuffing up. And it shows us that this world, everything in it is infected by this curse of sin, of disobedience. And we also know that it doesn't take long to examine our own hearts to know that even within ourselves, there is this curse, isn't there? It doesn't take long for us to just, to just to sit back and watch the way that we interact in this world and just to take, you know, just to do a stock take of our, even just the, the thoughts of the last day and the way that we interacted with people, our selfishness, our impatience, the love that we should be showing to those that we, that we promise to love, the love that we should be showing to those that, that love us, even the, the love that God calls us to show to those that don't love us. We don't do it. And again, it's another example of our disobedience and rebellion of creation, rebelling against creator. And the punishment for that is death. So that's some bad news, isn't it? That if you're on your own in this world, that if you're just trying to figure out how things are going to go, that when you are looking down the barrel of your last days, or maybe you don't know when they're going to come, what is, what is ahead for everyone is that no matter who you are, you know, rich, poor, you know, wherever, wherever you're from, whatever your background, we, not everyone is going to one day taste death. And in this world, with the inheritance that we have from our first father, Adam, and what we have contributed to in ourselves, we get the same thing. But it's on this backdrop of the bad news of what we're all destined for that that's when we get to see the good news, isn't it? It's only when we really understand how bad something is that that's when we really begin to understand how good the saving is, isn't it? It's only when we really understand what cancer is, when we understand what a death sentence really is, when we understand what isolation really does, when we, when we understand these things, only then does the cure, does the rescue, does the pardon then look truly amazing, doesn't it? And that is why Jesus is good news. That is why Jesus is good news. Because on the one hand, we have the bad news of, of what we deserve. And on the other hand, we have the good news of what God graciously gives freely. The wonderful news of the gospel. And Simeon, in this passage, Simeon is a man who knows the bad news of this world, doesn't he? Simeon is a man who knows the bad news of this world. He's a man, he was in, at this time, he was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He's waiting on the consolation of Israel. So Simeon, he's a man in an environment where the Roman rule is in. There's, there's 
There's tyranny and there's oppression and there's new laws and there's things and there's God has been silent for over 400 years. And there's this religious law that is putting on this pressure and Simeon feels this pressure. And then he's looking around and he's, he's, where is God in all of this? But at the same time, he's in the Bible, he's in the word and he knows that there is a hope. There is a promise from God. Simeon feels the bad news of what's happening, but he longs for what, God is promising and he gets a word from God, doesn't he? He shall not depart. He shall not die until he gets to see God's, until he gets to see God's promised savior. And then he does. Then he does. Spirit, uh, Simeon guided by the Holy Spirit makes his way to the temple. And then he sees Jesus. Sees Jesus, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And Simeon would have been pretty clued into this. Even this phrase that we see here, the waiting on the consolation of Israel, verse 24, 25. He's picking up on this prophetic Isaiah language of comfort, comfort for my people. Comfort is provided that the promises from God, the purposes of God, not to leave his people in sin, but to rescue them. Simeon knows it's coming and he knows he's got a promise from God that he'll see it. And then he sees Jesus and it's like he sees it's like, he's, he, it's like he sees, here's the rescue. Here's the one who's going to do it. Here's the new king. Here is the one who is going to for bring in and usher in God's wonderful plan. It's good news. And so it's no wonder that Simeon goes off his chops. He goes nuts. It's amazing. Like he, he, he runs, like, I don't know if it says he runs, but he goes up to me, he just takes Mary's baby. He's just like, he takes the baby, he takes the baby, baby into his arms and he praises God. It says he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. God, now I can die. Amazing. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What a moment for Simeon. Praise, joy, delight. Oh God, yes, this is it. This is the rescue that you have promised My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. What was dark, what the time of darkness, a light has been brought into the world. God's glory now revealed, God in flesh, Jesus. Jesus, the very name Jesus means the Lord saves, doesn't it? We know that. So Simeon being a righteous and devout man, he knew the grip and the state of sin in this world. He could see it in his culture around him. He knew it from what was revealed to him in God's word. He knew it existed in his own heart, but he also was someone that held on to the promises of God that were kept, kept appearing to him throughout God's word, the Bible. And he was then promised by God that he would see that salvation and he does. And he has a joy inexpressible he has a gospel joy he has a gospel joy now church 
I want our church, I want us, I want you, I want me to have this beautiful gospel joy of Simeon. I really do. So bad. I want us to be a people that at every moment in our life we can say, God, we can depart in peace. I want us to be a people that can be like, what can man do to us? You kill us, we get to go home and see Jesus. To live as Christ, to die as gain. And I want that confidence to come from being a gospel people. A gospel people, a people that know that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises, that he's the one who is ushering in God's plan, that he is God with us, he's the very presence of God. And that there's a finished work of Jesus, which Simeon knew was coming, but didn't get to see, which was him dying on the cross for our sin and rising again to new life to give us hope at this life and the life to come. That is the amazing good news of the gospel, which we can hold on to. How do we do that? How do we lean into that? How do we do more of that? Well, there's two things that I would love to commend to us from the life of Simeon that I think can be valuable for the way that we can be a gospel joy seeking people. We see that Simeon, he has a devotion, doesn't he? Describes there that Simeon is a devout man, devout and righteous man. He's, he's de- he has a devotion in the midst of what you might call the, the current despondency of his cultural moment. Like for Simeon, things are probably not great. Romans have come in. You could say that there's uh, some uh, government leadership that Simeon isn't that all that confident in. Um, yeah, sure, they're doing some good things. They're building some roads and they're bringing in some, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, some uh, profit and trade into the area. But uh, at what cost? At what cost? There seems to be this religious decline. There is now this separation of, of church and state. What, what, what's happening in, the, in this moment? There's a guy called Caesar and there's, a, and there's a tax that needs to be paid to him. There's these soldiers that are marching around that have this new authority over God's people and can demand from them whatever they want. But, but Simeon, he's not someone that is jumping up and like he doesn't, we don't read him as someone that is pressing against all of that, but we read that he's, de- he's described as a devout and righteous man. So what's that looking like? He has a devotion amidst, he's a devotion in the midst of his despondency. Simeon's a man who is investing his time in God's word. We know that from what he quotes when he picks up baby Jesus and he praises God and he talks to Mary and Joseph. He is a man who is richly grounded in the word of God, quoting Old Testament prophets, being able to apply what he is seeing in the world around him, being applied the Bible from what he knows from the Bible to what he is seeing in the world around him, knowing that this, knowing the character of God that has been revealed to him through the Bible. Simeon is a man that is devout and he has a devotion in the midst of his despondency. He's a man who is willing to lean in and take time with the promises of God. Now, I think that is, that is really important in the moment and the culture that we're in, isn't it? 
being a people who are willing to take time and lean in to the character and the purposes and the plan of God. Because right now we're, 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 we're a world that is rife with distractions, aren't we? We can press buttons to look at big screens. We can take small screens out of our pockets. We can subscribe to things that are going to fill those screens. We can take to other screens that are going to um, arouse in us a, uh, a, a, a desire to, to want to, to use our words to cut down. We're wanting to engage in so many things that, that are going to give us a sense of knowledge or a, or a feeling of power or just even just a sense of understanding the world or what's coming up next. We live in this world full of distractions that are going to take us away from our devotion to God. What Simeon also has in his life is God's spirit as well, isn't it? He has God's spirit to reinforce his resolve to be someone that is devout and seeking after the righteousness of God, isn't it? It says there the Holy Spirit was on him. It says there the Holy Spirit had revealed to him and the Holy Spirit was leading him. Church, can I just remind you that if you are someone that is that trusts in the person and work of Jesus, that, that knows, that is, you know, that is confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that does that every day, that if you are someone that is dependent on him, that prayerfully comes before him and asks for his help, if you are someone that believes in your heart that God has risen him from the dead and that he is reigning and ruling and will one day be returning, if you have a love for Jesus, that means you also have the gift of the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Because no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. And just like Simeon, you also have the Holy Spirit. And if you are feeling helpless and powerless and weak in being someone that can be devoted to the Word of God and be someone who is pressing into the purposes and character of God, remember that like Simeon, you also have the Holy Spirit to help you with that. So ask God to help you. Ask God to, 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 to inflame your heart and to give you a fire and, and a desire to, to keep pressing in to finding more about him. Ask him to take away distractions. Ask him to be, so that, ask him that you could be a person that is, that is always looking for ways to just continue to marinate and saturate in who God is and what he will do and what he has done. Because that's, again, a Simeon's pattern here, isn't it? Knowing the character of God, what he will do, what he has done. I'm sure Simeon is like, well, God is a God. He keeps coming through. He keeps showing mercy. He keeps showing patience. He keeps showing love. Look at the history books. Oh, just, he just read through Exodus. Look at how faithful God is. He just read through Judges. Oh, look at how forgiving God is. He just read through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Kings. Look at how amazing and sustaining God is. He just read through the prophet Daniel. Oh, wow. 
Look at, at how God can just continue to keep this man's faith on fire in the midst of Babylonian exile. He's holding on to the character of God and what he's done, but he's also looking forward to what God has promised he will do. Looks at Isaiah, comfort, comfort for my people. Church, you also, we also can be a people who lead into the purposes and the plan of God. And can I remind us again, they are most clearly seen in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The ultimate fulfillment of God's plan for salvation for the world. This is why we want to be leaning in in this moment in this encounter series. So, Simeon knew both how bad Simeon knew both how bad sin was, and he also knew how good God God is. Simeon had a very clear understanding of sin. He had a very clear understanding of God. He knew the bad news. He knew the good news, and from that, Simeon's joy erupts when he encounters Jesus. Church, I want to encourage you today to be someone who is able to lean into who God is and to, and, to, and to do that with the help of his spirit. Because we have so much more than what this man Simeon had. So much more. And so our joy can be so much more. So that's the first thing that I want us to see. I want us to, I want us to see, I want us to have Simeon's, I want us to see that we can have Simeon's gospel joy, that that can be our joy. The second and final thing I want us to think about today as we lean into who Simeon is and what we see in this encounter today is that as we seek to cultivate our own gospel joy, it's a joy that we will also see become apparent in others. That as we continue to cultivate our own gospel joy, as we, as we live in what God calls us to, we'll also see that joy in others. Okay? So Simeon was someone who was waiting. Okay? Simeon was someone who was waiting. What happened after that was as Simeon's waiting, he's led by the Spirit to the temple. Okay, and at this very same moment, there's this divine appointment from where Mary and Joseph are also going to the temple. Now, why are Mary and Joseph going to the temple? Well, they're just seeking to simply obey God's commands. They just know that, as we, as we saw in our reading, they know that um, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the law. Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So Mary and Joseph, they're just carrying out what you might just call normal sort of mundane obedience to God. But... What happens in this moment? Through Mary and Joseph's obedience, through their own cultivation of their gospel joy to continue to live in, the, in their love from God, in their fear of God, in their joy in God, they run into Simeon. And Simeon has this eye, eyes wide open, ecstatic, climax 
climaxing joyful experience of where, he, of where he sees God's promises fulfilled and his own prayers answered. Now, I want to ask us, we've been thinking about how good it would be to have the joy of Simeon as we understand the bad news and the good news of the gospel. Now, what is just as good, or I think arguably better, than having that joy in yourself? It's seeing it in someone else. It's seeing it in someone else. It's like at Christmas, right? Like, you know, when I was a kid, it was all about getting the presents. You know, just like, give me those presents. I want the presents. I get so much fun out of the presents. Now I'm a little bit older and hopefully maybe a little bit wiser. Um, got a few more years under my belt. I'm not too, I'm not too fussed about the presents but that I get. I, I actually enjoy more giving the presents to my kids and watching them have a joy from the presents, right? Like, you know when, like when, you know when you've got something that's just like so good and you're gonna to wanna to give it to someone and they're just like, oh man, they're gonna be so pumped. They're gonna be so happy. They're gonna, oh, I just wanna see them flip out at just how good this thing is. And you get to give them that thing and, that, and they get this amazing joy and this, 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 wonderful, this wonderful elation of what they have been able to receive in that moment. Now, talking about presence, obviously that's a, that's a planned out intentional thing that we can do. Um, but there's something here in what Mary and Joseph are doing in their normal everyday obedience to God that is a gift to Simeon and a fulfillment of God's plan for Simeon and an answer to what Simeon himself has been seeking. So church, I want us from, from this to also see that as we as a people, as we lean into who God is, and if we seek to obey his lead and follow what he is doing in our lives and just simply live out what he has called us to as his people, and a lot of that is pretty clear, as we open the word of God and we see the teaching of Jesus and we see the teaching of the apostles, as we just seek to simply do that, we will be the answer. We will be answers to prayers to people in our community that we weren't even trying to answer. That is, like hear this, as we seek to in faith take what might be some risky choices or risky maneuvers of living out what it means to be a person of God, we can be people that are pointing people to God and can even be answering people's prayers that they've prayed to God, okay? Being courageous in just the simple commands. So, like, what are some examples of this? I mean, Simeon is a pretty good one, right? But we've got to know that this sort of stuff happens all the time. Um, just uh, like here's an everyday example. I'll give you an everyday example and then I'll give you like a crazy example. <laughs> everyday example. Um, so been regularly going to a cafe here in Torquay. Uh, now I, th I, think it's, I think it's important and I try, uh, I, I try to be deliberate in thinking through what does it mean to be someone that is salt and light in the community. Um, so firstly, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a jerk. Okay. So that check. All right. T try not to do that. But then I want to try and be kind. You know, if, if I'm meant to be one day, if I'm going to be conformed to the image of Christ, how can I begin to be the hands and feet of Christ here and now? All right. So, okay. Let my s conversations be seasoned with salt. Just be, just try to be friendly. Try to show interest in people. Man, Jesus was so good at that. He would show interest in people. Um, 
it's been so great. Regularly been going to this cafe, um, struck up a conversation with one of the waitresses there, um, showed an interest. Um, and then made a comment, oh, what can we just going to talk about? Oh, you've, that, that tattoo is really interesting. Hey, can, I, uh, can you tell me about that? Anyway, one thing leads to another. Next time I go in, she says to me, oh, I was saying to my husband yesterday that I'd made a friend at work. And I said, well, if, if you're friends, um, I'm thinking, okay, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus was big on hospitality. Oh, well, if we're friends, um, you should come over for dinner. You know, you, you, you and your husband can, you know, we can hang out. We'll say hi to our kids. Dinner leads to conversation, which leads to meaningful conversation, which led to gospel conversation. Uh, wonderful, this w- wonderful opportunity that started from just trying to live out who I think God is shaping me to be as just a follower of Jesus, an ordinary follower of Jesus, means gospel conversations, which then has led to gospel community time together, which then leads you know, this couple to say things to me like, yeah, like I, I don't know how to put it. I don't know what it is, but you know what? Like since we've been talking about, you know, like all this stuff, like I've been actually like saying these prayers to God and um, there's just, just been stuff happening, right? Like, I don't know if, like, I don't know if I'm a, I don't think I'm a, like a Christian yet, but I think like, God is, he's, like, he's doing something. <laughs> like, and, and what, like, what, what am I doing in there? Like, like, I'm not doing anything create, courageous in terms of like, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had, a, I haven't had the, the Shekinah glory of God come down and meet me in a burning bush and tell me that I had to go and have a specific conversation to someone in a very specific cafe at a specific time. I'm just doing normal life and trying to represent Jesus well. And we can have amazing impact if that's what we're all doing together as a church family. And my prayer is that one day this couple will have a moment where they will say, I can depart this life in peace because they've seen God's salvation and they know him by name. So that's an ordinary example of what we can be doing as God's people as we seek to cultivate our own gospel joy as we live out as God's people, leaning into that, it can overflow into the lives of others. Okay, so I said I had one sort of ordinary story. Here's one kind of crazy story. I'll close with this. I'm not going to get this exactly right, um, but an Australian preacher in, uh, who's planted a church in New York tells this story of um, there was this guy that was, he would regularly p- drive past a, um, like a shopping supermarket, you know, Centro-type complex. And um, he had this overwhelming urge that he just had to go in and, and God was calling him to do something that was a little bit crazy. He's just like, no, not, not doing that. He would drive past one day. He's like, oh, I feel like I should go in there. No, he's really feeling this weird sense. He just sort of shakes it off, drives past again the next day on his way to work. And, and, and he feels the similar, similar drawing, the similar leading. It's like, what, oh, what is that? Shakes it off again. Two, three, four, five days pass. On the fifth day, he just can't shake it. He's just like, I'm, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm, I've got to go. I've just, I think I've just got to do this. It says, you know, because it, it's like, it's God, I, why would you ask me to do this crazy thing? I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't do that. Okay. And then finally he gives in. Right, that's it. So he goes in, parks, walks into the supermarket, uh, supermarket shopping complex. And there's this vending machine. 
And this was the crazy thing that he felt that God was asking him to do. And it was to do a handstand against the wall next to this particular vending machine. And he, in the moment, he felt so stupid, so dumb, but he's just like, well, look, if I'm, I feel like this is, you know, I've been praying about this. Maybe this is what God's calling me to do. And he just did it. And straight away, uh, John tells a story that uh, someone comes out from the shop directly opposite this vending machine. And he said, what are you doing? What are you, what, what are you doing? And this fella who'd just done the handstand sheepishly looks back at this person and says, oh, look, this is going to sound crazy, um, but for the last five days, um, I've felt like God's been telling me to come and do a handstand next to this vending machine. And then the person who'd come across from the shop just started crying. And he said, um, there's no way you could have known this, but this morning I prayed to God. I said, God, if you're real, if actually I'm meant to be here, if, um, like, uh, if I'm not supposed to end my life tonight, someone needs to go and do a handstand next to that vending machine. God works in these amazing and also very ordinary ways. God wants to work through you and he wants to work through me and he wants to do it as we just seek to humbly live out a gospel-centered, driven obedience to him in all of life. He wants us to be a people who are digging deeper into his revealed character as showed to us through the Bible. So that when we have these moments that might seem a little bit crazy, we have a reference point to go, well, who is God? What is he like? What is he teaching me? What, is, what would he call people to do? Like, is this selfish? Is this selfless? He wants us to depend on him in prayer. And he wants us to know that that is, he wants us to keep coming back to that that is the, the best thing that we can be doing because not, because, not because he just tells us it is, but because he shows us that he has our best interests at heart because we who were once lost, he came and found us. We know that he has our best interests at heart because we who were blind, he made us be able to see. He has our best interest at heart because we who are destined for destruction and judgment and death, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And that is the gospel. That we who were destined for death and deserving of punishment God entered in, he laid down his life, he gave his one and only son, he took the punishment that we deserved and it's the proof and it's the evidence and it's the testimony of his love for you and for me and it shows us that everything he then calls us to do is for our good, 
for our joy, for the saving of others and for the fulfillment of his plan for us and this world and those around us. So church, my call today is let us be a church that is pressing into deeper encounters with God and being able to know that is an encounter with God because we are leaning into the gospel and we are fixing our eyes on Jesus and that we are devoted to God, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness in the confidence that as we do, others will also be saved. So I want to spend some time praying for us now. Um, I'm going to lead us in a, I guess what you might just call a very simple prayer. Um, a prayer, I'm, I'm going to pause at spot, some spots. Uh, I'm going to pause so that you can just have your own quiet time of personal reflection um, and to echo that prayer for yourself to God, if you would like to pray with me in that way. So I'm going to pray. Um, we're going to pray in confession. Um, we're going to ask for forgiveness. We're going to say thanks that we can have that in Jesus. And then we're going to ask for God's help. And there are four, four spaces to, to pause for that along the way. Um, and let me encourage you to join with me in that. Let's pray in response to God's word. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.